Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. Today, we're going to shine a spotlight on a fascinating area of focus within endocrinology that maybe you haven't heard much about, onco-endocrinology. So what is onco-endocrinology and how are health providers working together to care for patients who have endocrine conditions and cancer? Joining me today to help answer those questions is Dr. Afreen Sharif. Dr. Sharif is an endocrinologist with expertise in endocrine disease and cancer patients. She is the founding director of the Duke Endo-Oncology Program and an associate director for the Cancer Treatment Toxicity Program at the Duke Center for Cancer Immunotherapy. She holds a faculty appointment as an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes and Metabolism at Duke University School of Medicine. She also chairs the Onco Endocrinology Special Interest Group with the Endocrine Society. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks, Aaron, for having me on the podcast. It's really wonderful to be on the guest spot today and rather uh, than being the host that I typically do on my podcast. So I am so delighted to be here today. I think this is a first for me where I'm interviewing another podcast host. And those of you who are wondering about the podcast, it's called Checkpoint Now. We will talk about it at the end of this one, but what a special treat this is. Why don't we go ahead and kick in. While the study and practice of endocrinology has been around a long time. Some may be unfamiliar with the term onco-endocrinology. Can you tell us more about it and the intersection of endocrine disorders and cancer? Thanks for that question, Erin. I think this is probably the most important question I will answer today. So what is onco-endocrinology? Endocrinology in general is the study or practice related to hormone disorders. And when the same disorders occur in cancer patients, we subgroup this as onco-endocrinology. Now, rightfully so, we're often confused with cancers of the endocrine system, which is quite different. For example, in oncoendocrinology, we deal with steroid-induced hypoglycemia, hypercalcemia, adrenal insufficiency, specifically in cancer patients, and other diseases like growth hormone deficiency or thyroid cancer in, in childhood cancer survivors. Now, for us, the patient population we see is quite complex. The knowledge of chemotherapy, radiation therapy, side effects, both in acute and long-term setting are integral for treatment decisions. So think of it as a discipline that transcends the limits of endocrinology and general oncology. So let me ask this, why has this become more important recently? That's an excellent question. Over the last decade, what we have seen is a practice shift in the way oncology treats cancer. With the FDA approval of very effective therapies like immune checkpoint inhibitors that entered the market in 2011. Now, these agents enhance the body's natural immunity to ride at 100 miles an hour in a 40 mile zone with the goal of targeting cancer cells. As you would expect, this is a very dysregulated way of ramping up the immune system. And many endocrine glands get affected as accidents along the way and can result in diseases like pituitary dysfunction, autoimmune type 1 diabetes, and most commonly thyroid-related abnormalities. And they're quite common. We can see this in up to 20% treated patients. Now, just to give an idea of the growth in this space, in 2011, not very far back, 1.5% cancer patients qualified for immune checkpoint inhibitors. Now, fast forward eight years, or in 2019, 36.1% patients qualified to getting this drug. So needless to say, the field of endocrinology has also grown to accommodate for this increased demand. 
And remember, this is in addition to traditional cancer survivors, where about 50% childhood cancer survivors can develop late effects on the endocrine system. I think for the field of endocrinology, having a specialized approach with oncoendocrinology focus is certainly the need of the hour. When will a patient be referred to an endocrine oncology program? Now, patients typically get referred for diseases like steroid-induced diabetes, tertiary adrenal insufficiency in a setting of long-term steroid use, and sometimes for assistance with tapers. Now, immune-related side effects like immune hypophysitis, thyroiditis, and also pre-existing diabetes, thyroid disease that need to be optimized prior to chemotherapy and immunotherapy. So these diseases come in different shapes and sizes. It ranges from those that have pre-existing disease and those who develop incident endocrine diseases from active therapy from cancer drugs. Well, how aware are healthcare providers of the importance of considering making such referrals? Are are these referrals happening? Well, this is a great question and really depends on the practice setting you're in. At a large referral center where clinical trials and large cancer centers exist, oncologists and primary care practitioners are quick about referrals. But when you think of private practice settings, this kind of management may fall with the oncologist if local endocrinologists are not aware on how to manage these complex diseases. So really it depends on the practice setting and where folks are practicing. As an endocrinologist, what are some of the challenges unique to treating patients with cancer or in remission? Well, I'm gonna break this question down and answer this in two different parts. I think the first thing is to think about patients in active therapy. For those patients, a deeper knowledge of cancer treatments and side effects, especially with newer drugs, clear communication of changing treatments between oncology and endocrinology, and getting these patients fast access to getting into your clinic are some of the most common challenges I face, and I'm sure many oncoendocrinologists face today. But this is a problem that I think can be solved, especially with close association and familiarity with oncology colleagues in your practice, and most importantly, learning from each other. Now, when you think of those that are in remission, determining the timing of these late sequelae of cancer and radiation treatments is what I find the most challenging, since these patients Mm -hmm. are no longer following with oncology, and now are following with other specialties or even just with primary care, who may or may not be considering this in their differential. So when you think of it as an oncoendocrinologist, my work goes beyond just patient care and goes deeper into educating today's clinicians and future generations of clinicians on the importance of thinking about these endocrine side effects, which again, are quite common in cancer patients. And importantly, making sure that people are thinking about this so they can get timely advice. One thing you're sort of heading towards is the idea that it takes a team to care for these patients well. So how do you build an efficient healthcare team for patients with endocrine disorders and cancer? I think this is a perfect question leading up to the last topic that we were talking about. And there's no one size fits all approach to this, in my experience. At Duke, we have a dedicated endo-oncology program or an onco-endocrinology program where we focus on high-value care for endocrine disease and cancer patients. We have an electronic consultative service for cancer patients through which we have been able to drop our time for recommendations down from 87 days on average to two days. This has also reduced hospital admission rates for endocrine diseases or toxicities down from 11% to 4%. Now, this is what has worked for our practice at Duke. Now, every practice and the facilities and the resources are different. One of the most important steps, however, is to identify as a general endocrinologist is that, is this the niche you want to practice in? And to meet with your oncology colleagues to understand the demand the gaps in care, and to design your practice to match that. 
We have programs and clinics at other large institutions like UCLA and Dana-Farber who have designated clinicians and access points for patients, which have been quite successful as well. Earlier on, when we were introducing you, I mentioned that you're the chair of the Endocrine Society's most recent special interest group on oncoendocrinology. Can you tell us a little bit about this special interest group and what you're doing there? Actually, it's a very interesting story and in how this idea even started for the oncoendocrine special interest group. It actually started on a podcast recording just like this one. I host and produce a medical podcast series called Checkpoint Now that focuses on immune-mediated toxicities. And one of my guest speaker for this was Dr. Opie Hammondwick, who practices oncoendocrinology at Dana-Farber. As you would imagine, working in the same field, we discussed about starting a group together, and we're quite excited to hear that the Endocrine Society was very supportive of this. The goal of the SIG we chaired together and our core steering group, and that includes Dr. Emily Gallagher and Dr. Melody Chung, is to promote global networking, promote awareness, education, and advance research collaborations among endocrinologists who want to focus on endocrine disease and cancer patients. Another important focus of the group that I'm heavily invested in is also to develop collaborations between endocrine society and similar societies in oncology, given the very transdisciplinary nature of our expertise. So what do you discuss on the SIG? During the SIG meetings and webinars, we hope to cover topics relevant to research and practice of oncoendocrinology. Some examples of this would be webinars and chat boards and steroids and cancer patients, introductions similar to this on what oncoendocrinology is, and hyperglycemia management in cancer patients, and also topics like molecular pathways and how targeted therapies affect the endocrine system. We will have periodic announcements regarding these, which will be updated through the Endocrine Society. We are discussing some collaborations with larger societies, similar sized within the space of oncology, to basically have shared branded material that can be looked at by patients on both ends, because we practice in the world of endocrinology, but our patients live in oncology. So we've been very good about identifying that the need is goes way beyond the scope of what we do at Endocrine Society, and it's actually going into the world of oncology. So we need to present our patients who are living in both oncology and endocrine with the right pieces of information. And what better way to do this than find experts within the endocrine society world and also within our experts within the field of endocrinology to advocate and talk about this and share patient relevant information regarding this. So we, we are respectful of the fact that our patients don't always live in endocrinology and raising awareness in the area of oncology is just as important as taking care of these patients on our end. Well, if you're listening to this and you are a member of the Endocrine Society and you'd like to learn more about the special interest group that we're talking about here, we'll leave a link for you in the description of today's episode so you can go ahead and check out this wonderful special interest group. Now, let's talk a little bit about the future. How will the field of oncoendocrinology develop, you think, in the next five years? What do you hope to see? Well, let me start with how my practice has evolved, just to give an idea of how I think this is going to move forward. So let's talk a little bit about the past over the last five years. Now, I started this fresh out of fellowship in 2017 and had a half-day clinic a week dedicated to seeing cancer patients. Now, let's fast forward five years. Now, I have five half-days of clinics per week that I see cancer patients, three additional providers, including physician and two nurse practitioners seeing cancer patients with me and a dedicated program, and all of this in just five years. So do I think it will develop? Absolutely. As of Jan 2022, it was estimated that about 18.1 million cancer patients will be living in the United States. And this represents about 5.4% of the population. 
Now, the number of cancer survivors is projected to increase by 24.4% to about 22.5 million in the next decade by 2032. Now, these patients are going to need endocrinologists and more specifically, oncoendocrinologists. So with that information, I'm going to rest my case that this field <laughs> is here to grow and it is here to stay. And if you are interested in this field, you should definitely join the SIG to meet like-minded people and join where this train is leading up to. Absolutely. And while we're at it, let's talk a little bit more about your podcast, Checkpoint Now, which goes even deeper into the subject matter. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast series and how folks can check it out? Well, this started off in, I would say, the peak of COVID. I think it was one of my COVID itches about being able to educate beyond the scope of what I do at Duke. So I always felt that I was repeating myself, saying the same content and trying to teach the same things. And I decided, you know what? we should probably expand this and use a platform like podcasts mm. to deliver this sort of information that we have living in these beautiful institutions where these experts live and communicate that very effectively to nephrologists, rheumatologists, endocrinologists, cardiologists around the world that are dealing with this. And this is a new and upcoming field, just like oncoendocrinology is new, oncoenephrology is new, cardio-oncology is new. So there are these fields within fields that are developing to tailor to the care of cancer patients. So that was the whole idea of why I started this podcast. I had no experience podcasting before this. So it was just a thought. I said, let's just jump in and get started. Mm -hmm. So I started working with one of my colleagues who is now at UT Southwestern, Dr. Tian Zhang, and she's a GU oncologist. And it was perfect to have a toxicity expert and have an oncologist talk to other experts around the country about these toxicities or focus is basically dialogue between oncologists and subspecialty experts that manage toxicities and how we can do better on both sides by understanding the needs, the requirements of our patients. And we completed season one about close to about 20 episodes, and we've been heard over 3,000, 4,000 times already. So we were quite excited with the success of this. And we've just launched season two that we started recording. And you actually might be excited to hear what the content will be, which is quite befitting to what I do, even as the chair of the Oncoendocrinology SIG, is to focus on patient education. Because as we develop these collaborations with other oncology societies, I also thought that our endocrinologists would really benefit from having a podcast episode that they can direct their patients to and say, well, you have diabetes from checkpoint inhibitors. There's this episode on checkpoint now, episode number X on season two that you can listen to that's going to talk about how you can deal with this side effect and what you need to know as a patient. So I thought it would save me some time in clinic, number one, and probably save a lot more physicians around the world, oncologists and endocrinologists together with counseling patients and empowering them with information about these side effects. Hopefully in the next few months, we'll be releasing another five to six episodes just solely focused on topics within oncoendocrinology. What a wonderful and unique idea for a podcast series. It sounds like a real win-win for everybody. So if you're listening, be sure to go check that out. And Dr. Sharif, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us and talking about oncoendocrinology. Well, it's certainly been my pleasure, Aaron. And I think I'm finding it hard to figure out which seat I like better, the host <laughs> or the guest. Well, it seems like I enjoy doing both. So thanks so much for having me on the podcast. And that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Sharif. We talked a bit about the Endocrine Society's special interest group on oncoendocrinology, and we'll include a link to that in the episode description 
But did you know the society has several special interest groups covering topics such as adrenal pituitary, transgender research in medicine, endocrine disrupting chemicals, endocrine cancers, early career, and entrepreneurship? If any of these topics interest you, and you're a member of the Endocrine Society, you should really get involved in these special communities. We'll include a link in the episode description. If there's a topic you'd like to hear in the podcast, be sure to let me know by emailing podcast at endocrine.org. And as always, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.